Um, the title for this evening's talk is Family as Family. Now, call it so, taking a cue from the Buddha in his discourse on the four foundations of mindfulness. You, some of you may be familiar with this literature, others may not. So let me just read a little bit what the Buddha says. He's talking to the monks, the bhikkhus, as they were called. Bhikkhus, he said, this is the direct path for the purification of beings. This, the practice. The direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment, attainment of the true way for the re realization of Nibbana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. That's the path along these four foundations. What are the four? He says. A bhikkhu, he says, abides contemplating the body as body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating feelings as feelings, etc., etc., as he said before. He abides contemplating mind states as mind states. He abides contemplating mind objects as mind objects. Another translation of mind objects is the Dharma as the Dharma. And how, he goes on saying, does a bhikkhu abide contemplating the body as a body? Here a bhikkhu gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut sits down having folded his legs crosswise, set his body erect, and established mindfulness in front of him. Ever mindful, he breathes in. Mindful, he breathes out. Breathing in long, he understands. He understands, I breathe in long. Or breathing out, in short, I breathe out long, he understands, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, he understands, I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, he understands, I breathe out short. And he goes on, and among other things, he says, Again, because when walking, the bhikkhu understand, I am walking. When standing, he understands. I am standing. When sitting, he understands I am sitting. When lying down, he understands I am lying down. Uh, or he understands accordingly, however his body is disposed. In other words, in the shorthand of the teachings, this is stated as seeing things as they are. Seeing things as they are. 
the Buddha was talking to the monks there. This is not an assembly of monks and nuns. This is not a monastic group. And so I would suggest at the risk of being a bit blasphemous and trying to change the teachings of the Buddha, I would suggest that we add a fifth foundation of mindfulness, namely seeing family as family. Contemplating family as family. In the same spirit. And you may ask, well, aren't we contemplating it enough? Haven't we had enough of family? I mean, come on. And I say, probably not enough as family. When we look at, at our family, at the members of our family, with all the love that we have for them, what comes up also are reactivities, are we, we find caught in patterns of behavior with them, which have very little awareness. Maybe, hopefully, we, get, we come to realize what's going on after the fact, and other times not even that. In fact, unawareness in life is a very, very deeply ingrained habit. Very few of us, particularly if we haven't had any, anybody who hasn't had any contact with the Dharma, very few are aware of breathing. We go on breathing in, breathing out, with zero awareness. And when we look at our breath, what comes up? It comes up, oh, I don't like this breath. Or, oh, what a beautiful breath I have. Come up, judgment. What comes up is a sense of my breath, a sense of possession, of ownership of the breath. What comes up, quickly, very quickly, look at the breath and see it as a reflection of who I am. Very quickly, almost, almost subliminally. Subliminally. And that we do, of course, even more so when we contemplate family, our family. With all the love that we have for them, <coughs> on top of that love, there is a tendency to judge with praise or with blame. There's a tendency of seeing family members as mine. And of seeing them as a reflection of who we are. Very, very clear, very transparent. This morning in the discussion group that came up, the sense of the pain, the sorrow of seeing family members 
leave, go, children inevitably, and sometimes even partners. And, and that unwillingness to see what happened as what happened, to see the growth of our children as the growth of our children. The son of us, a daughter misbehaves, gets into some kind of trouble. And there's a lot of suffering, and much of that suffering has to do with some shame that we create because we see them as reflection of who we are. Sometimes you can see that with some humor. And uh, a few months ago, there was an article in Tricycle reflecting that. Uh, a mother who goes to a Tignut Hand retreat with her seven-year-old daughter. And, um, and she's uh, appalled because her daughter, just as several of my grandchildren do, in the midst of all this assembly, covers herself up with a jacket to disappear, kind of. I've seen a child do that here, too. I mean, children do that often enough. And she says, On the first night, most of the other children nearby were sitting cross-legged, quietly, and listening with what seemed to, to me to be preternatural attention. But she was muttering to herself, and writhing around on the floor like a big unhappy baby. I wondered if she had some mild form of autism that had escaped detection. I know, you, you can identify with that, no? I mean, the everybody else was fine. except The people around me were friendly and relaxed. I felt like a terrible mother, mother to be judging and comparing my daughter in those gent these gentle conditions. It was almost as if the spirit of non-judgmental acceptance that surrounded me was triggering a per perverse reaction, drawing out of me my, out my darkest, meanest thoughts. And of course, this is said with humor by somebody who sees the situation. And, and that's very valuable to, to notice, not to deny the pulls of the eye, of the, of the fabrications of self around family, but to recognize them, to see them, and not to buy into them. But the only way we can not buy into them is see them. Otherwise, what we are caught into is a construction around family and very much a construction of self or, or the substitute of self around, say, the myth of the happy family or the myth of the happy couple. And this mythology can be very powerful and for some seems to be a, a, 
some, there seems to be some form of salvation around that. I was recently doing a, a training program with, for hospice work, and uh, one of the volunteers said something that interests me, so I wrote it down. Um, she was in pain. She had lost her husband a few years before this happened. Two years ago, in fact. And, and she said, for, as an antidote to her pain, she would write letters to him. But she still, she was afraid of forgetting who he was like. This, this is this tragic. I say this with great pain, but I can also see the futility of it. She, she said she had written a list of his qualities so that she would not forget what he was like. And then when, when he came to, his, to her mind in writing a letter, for instance, then she'd look up the list, check it out, and he, he said, oh yes, that's him, to verify that it was him. You can understand, in, in the pain of this woman, how she would construct this. And I mention because it's a, obviously a construction, obviously a myth, but not unlike other myths that create for ourselves. And, and they are half believable, but superimposed, slapped onto the actual reality of things, slapped onto family as family. Perhaps a very extreme and traumatic way of, of seeing family in a mythological way, in, a, in the form of not the real participants, but the roles that these participants assume is in a work by the Italian playwright Pirandello called Six Characters in Search of an Author. Very dramatic play. And just to describe it briefly, there is a, a theater situation where there's a director trying to get some actors to rehearse a play. And certainly in the midst of this, bunch of people, six people in fact, come into the room and, and offer their services because they need, they're desperately in need of a play, of a script, something that they could do. They know exactly who they are, they are the characters. And they start arguing with the director and, and it, it's, it's not a very smooth argument because they're trying to tell the director how to do things. Um, and and uh, the, the dialogue I'm going to refer to is between the father in that family and the director. And the director says, just to start somewhere, the goal of this fellow calls himself a character and comes here to ask me who I am. Father. That is the character of the father. 
a character, sir, can always ask a man who he is. Because a character really has his own life, marked by his own characteristics, by virtue of which he is always someone. Whereas a man, I'm not speaking of you now, a man can be no one. Director. Oh, sure, but he's asking me, right? I am the manager, understand? Father. Only in order to know, sir, if you know you now as you see yourself. For example, at a distance of in time. Do you see the man you once were with all the illusions you had then, with everything inside you and outside, as it seemed then, as it was then for you? Well, sir, thinking back to those illusions which you don't have anymore, to all those things which no longer seem to be what at one time they were for you, don't you feel not just the boards of this stage, but the very earth beneath slipping away from you? For will not all that you feel yourself to be now, your whole reality of today as it is now, inevitably seem an illusion tomorrow? The director, well, 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 what do you want to prove? Father, I just wanted to make you see that if we have no reality outside of illusion, it would be well if you should distrust your reality because though you breathe it and touch it today, it's destined, destined like that of yesterday to turn out to be an illusion tomorrow. Father, uh, well, there's some, some more I skip. Father, if your reality can change overnight, of course it can. It changes all the time, like everyone else's. Father, but ours, that is, the characters, ours does not, sir. You see, that is the difference. It does not change. It cannot ever change or be otherwise because it's already fixed. It is what is just that forever. A terrible thing, sir. An immutable reality. You should shudder to come near us. This is the absence of impermanence in its most tragic form. This is the extreme that sometimes we get caught into when we buy into our roles, like the father among these six characters who can never, never change, never, never be anything different than what he believes he is. So, those are the constructions, sometimes terrifying, like in the Pirandello case, other times milder and even humorous. Still, they have a grip. Have a grip. 
Uh, I'm trying to understand a, a little conversation I had with my mother. Maybe 15 years ago, more than that, 20 years ago. She, she, she died at age 98. And, and uh, she never allowed the fact that I had grown. So repeatedly, when I went to visit her in Baltimore in her old age, she would tell me, would I read back the letters I used to write to her when I was a youngster? I remember I first came to the U.S. at age 19. And yes, I wrote many letters to her. And, and I, I, I couldn't do it couldn't do it. I couldn't confront that, couldn't confront her. And I knew that she was setting a trap for me in a way. I mean, as I've lived, I lived it, I lived it. I'm, I'm not criticizing my mother. I, I lived it as a trap that she was setting for me. And you can see it that way. I also know, very knew and still know, that the letters I wrote then were letters to please her. Of course. I mean, there was some feeling too, but there was also the wish to, 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 to reassure her. I didn't want to read that again. The, the fabric pers fabricated person that I was and, and to be confronted with it. But for her, it was an essential ingredient of her seeing me. In fact, she thought that I would go back to be the nice little boy that I was then. So, all these constructions of, that come from living family unaware that family is just family. And uh, put on top of it, all these constructions can be quite terrifying. And, and sometimes members of a family unable to bear those pressures take off. Take off in, 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 in ways that are distancing themselves from the family. Children, of course, very often. Partners sometimes. And, and this is a terrible loss because the love very often is, is quite alive and yet is denied because of all the pain that seems to involve. An unwillingness to be with that pain of the conflicting demands of the pressure of this system of constructing something around the family. So, what is then seeing the family as is? It's really a willingness to confront everything that happens internally and externally, that is, inside us or outside us, in connection with this unit, this community of beings. 
without having a predetermined agenda of what could happen, without having expectations of what ought to happen, without construction, any myth on top of the family, like the most common myth of a happy family, meaning that always has to be happy. Not using the family for fulfilling the unfulfilled uh, stories of our lives, of our past, trying to compensate what we didn't get as children through the family. And because maybe it generally is too much to ask that there be no agenda, that there be no expectation, then when the agendas come up, when the expectations come up, when the construction comes up, when the demands of our past come up around family, and being with that too. When the pain of impermanency comes up, as again was referred to this morning, being with that too. Being with that moment to moment as, as it touches us. Seeing family as family, just as we see mind states as mind states, as they emerge, not grasping onto any storyline, not grasping onto any script that we wish to unfold, just with what happens. and giving full attention to all that emerges. And as in the story in Tricycle, girl covering herself up with a jacket, there's a girl covering herself up with a jacket. That's all there is. When I see my grandson Pablito covering himself up with a blanket, that's all there is. Pablito covering himself up with a blanket. That's all. Just as we do with the breath, and we learn to do with the breath, not seeing each breath as a manifestation of who we are, as, an, as something that we own, as an extension of me. And again, not burdening, burdening the family with that work of being extensions of us. So, children, partners, leaving, growing, changing, whatever. Pain in our hearts, pain in our hearts. Inevitable, sure. Joy in our hearts, joy in our hearts. If we don't let the pain in, we'll never be able to let the joy in. There's no screening system for that. Then we will have opened ourselves to this extraordinary source of wonder that's offered to us 
They are little masters, little dharma masters. If we have children, as most of you do. And there's something else about our willingness to see family just as family. And, and that's what the Buddha was referring to when he talked about the four foundations of mindfulness as being the path to enlightenment. As we begin to see body just as body, feeling just as feeling, mind states just as mind states, dharma, mind objects as says, just as mind obje- objects, then we are not caught in all that we can see beyond, then all this becomes a, an opening, a door to see beyond that. It's, a, it's like a key to a wide network of interconnectedness between all there is. Just breath, just an, a small aspect of the vast web of existence. Same with family. As we open ourselves up to really see what goes on, not invested in any construction around it, not even a construction that it be happy, certainly not a construction that it be unhappy, although there are situations where people end up doing that, we just see family as a as an aspect of the whole vastness of things. Let's sit quietly for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.